Hi, welcome to the Trauma Thrivers podcast. Delighted to have you with us. I'm Lula Bentz, your host, a psychotherapist, a trauma expert, and a survivor myself. Lovely to have you with us. The Trauma Thrivers podcast is for anybody who has been through any sort of developmental trauma or who has complex PTSD. This podcast aims to help educate, inspire and support those of us that are on a trauma healing journey. We've got stories, steps and various solutions to trauma to help you heal. If you'd like more information or tips or tools or strategies, please go to traumathrivers.com. You can also find this podcast on my YouTube channel, Lula Bent's Trauma Thrivers. If you'd like to join our community of thrivers, please find us on Facebook under Trauma Thrivers. Thank you so much for this month's sponsors who are Silkworth Lodge in Jersey. Silkworth provide residential treatment for people with alcohol or drug addiction. Alongside Silkworms, their support program for children aged 7 to 12 affected by the addiction of a family member. They've also got a new 13 to 18 year old adolescent service. Silkworth provide real end-to-end support to all of those affected by substance misuse. So for more details, please go to silkworthlodge.co.uk. I really hope you're going to get lots out of this episode. Hey, welcome to the Trauma Thrivers podcast. Today, I'm really excited to introduce you to John Paul Davis. And let me just tell you a little bit about John Paul before we start. He's an experienced and an accredited psychotherapist and counsellor and coach running a busy full-time practice in Cobham in Surrey in the UK. His website is thistrustedplace.co.uk and he's got an interesting background. He worked as a solicitor for the first half of his career in the City of London and he's recently published a book which looks amazing called Finding a Balanced Connection which is available on amazon.co.uk. John Paul also writes for a lot of media outlets and websites and magazines and is currently a spokesperson for the UKCP, which is the governing body or one of them of accredited therapists in the UK. So I'm really delighted to introduce you today to John Paul. Thank you so much, John Paul, for joining us today. I'm really delighted. And I know that we've been following each other for a while on Instagram and I've been inspired by what you do. So originally, I really wanted to talk to you about compassion-focused therapy. But before we do that, can you just tell me how you got into the therapy world? Well, I was, um, I was a solicitor. I worked in the City of London for 12, well, for 10 years, actually. And then I was in therapy for a couple of years towards the end of that. Um, and during that period, I, during therapy, I, I was actually at a stage of my career where I, I'd been a, an assistant solicitor and then became a senior solicitor. And it was the expectation next was to become a partner, which wow. requires a huge amount more, actually, in terms of time commitment and, and that kind of thing. And I just had a, my daughter. So there was a, quite a tension between 
the amount of time that I was spending at work and um, what I wanted to do in terms of life outside of work. So what I decided to do at that point was to take a career break. And I did a screenwriting course, did some voluntary work for on a phone line. And I also did a foundation year in counselling and psychotherapy. I did it at the place because I had to do my career break from January to December. So um, I did it at CCP actually because my therapist was a tutor there and because it, um, it, it ran the course, that foundation course ran from, from that year, unlike a lot of the university uh, who, who, who are at September start. So yeah, I did that year. I enjoyed the screenwriting. I enjoyed the voluntary work. But the thing I enjoyed most was the, um, was the foundation year. So I did actually, to help with the transition, uh, um, because then I wanted to go on and do the diploma, a four-year part-time diploma, uh, to help with the transition. I did ask the law firm whether I could go back part-time, but this was, gosh, 12, 13, or more than that, 14, 15 years ago. And it was men doing part-time work wasn't really something that uh, they were open to. So I just continued. I did everything as quickly as I could in terms of my placements. And um, yeah, and here I am. Wow. And for those people that are listening that maybe aren't London-based, CCPE is yes. a training organisation in West West London, would we call it? it West yeah, London? so Little Venice, Paddington, that area. So it's, it's really lovely. It's on the um, on the canal. Yeah. And in terms of modalities studied there, is it transpersonal that you study? Yes, it's an integrative course. So they okay. teach a bit, you know, psychoanalysis, CBT, um, existential, various. And, and they also have a transpersonal focus for things too, which would be that more spiritual aspect of people. So they incorporate some things from Eastern religions and, um, and Western. So, uh, yeah, so if they're going to do psychoanalysis, they'll try and connect it with the transpersonal as well. Lovely. And did that lead you down the path to more compassion focused work? Well, it's interesting because I suppose through a spiritual context, I would have heard the word compassion. Well, actually, the reason I would have heard the word compassion years before is when we were talking about, I remember people saying about the Conservative government, not compassionate enough. Yeah. So I didn't know what compassion meant and one of the reasons that I read the first book that I did about compassion was for two reasons it was um it was a book on mindfulness this was in my third year of training and um there's a book called the mindful path to self-compassion so I think it is it Patrick Gerber or Germa and so so that incorporated both mindfulness which I was interested in then and also um the the compassion element of it and then incorporated that you know compassion means love and kindness from that point that was the understanding that I got of it and then because I did some of the compassionate mindfulness I saw there was a book on compassion focused therapy it's Paul Gilbert's book and um, I read that so and it really as I say it was about the third year of my training and um, the, the model that he had in that and also some of the ways therefore in which he suggested working with it uh, really stuck with me ever since actually so those ideas I started to use in therapy and then it all fed into each other the things that clients would say and was helpful sort of all built a model really based on compassion focused therapy which I then wrote about in the book. Okay so for the people listening that aren't quite sure what compassion focused therapy means or if they went to see somebody who was more compassion focused in their approach what could they expect to get if you like in terms of therapist 
yes intentions or ways or, or methods or models okay i mean i i i read the book i haven't done a separate course on it so this this is from the point of view of um taking in the basic model i suppose and then applying it to the to the work so some of the things that i'll talk about and do use are ones that i've seen since were set out in his book but other things that are probably bits and pieces from other modalities yeah. which which seem to fit with it so i mean the, the basic model my understanding of it is there are each human being is made up of sort of three main parts the first one would be the threat part which is the problem focused part where fear sits also mm -hmm. anger because fear if we're frightened that's a sort of protective yeah uh, emotion so we may get angry you know the sort of fight or flight or freeze yeah. type responses yeah so because it's about fear potentially anger or freeze so shutting off shutting down is actually a place of disconnection yeah. and um so that so there's fit that that part which is actually the one one of the main ones that's going to dominate our experience on the basis that we are programmed to survive yes and therefore identify problems rather than be happy Yes, totally. So there's, there's that threat part. And then, then the middle one is reward. I think he calls it drive, but okay. rewards and drives. So the things yeah. that we get dopamine for, all those kind of feel-good chemicals. So yeah. um, eating, sex, acquiring material possessions, competing yeah. and winning, achieving goals. Wow. Okay. Those, kind of, those kind of things. So that's where sort of addictive behaviour would, yeah. would lie. Right. Um, and then the third part, which is where the compassion, I call it connection in the book title, Finding a Balanced Connection. It would be the connection part of that. I think he, he may use a different word for it, but it, it's the part that's fundamentally about love of self and love of others. Yeah. Affiliation, friendship, okay. um, part of a team, teamwork, yeah. uh, working in harmony, forgiveness, patience, yeah. you know, all those kind of things which really I think is where happiness sits for human beings. Totally. Uh, the difficulty, as I say, that human beings have, I think, is we can only be in one part at a time and being problem, naturally problem focused and perhaps growing up in environments and certainly where there's been traumatizing experiences, the bit that gets most energy is the disconnecting part, which is yeah. the, the threat part. Right. And it's really, it's really important to say that that we need that a bit you know it is the health yeah. that yeah. does take care of us physically or people that we love takes care of them physically and also potentially psychologically you know yeah. if, if we're consistently anxious or irritated in relation to somebody because of behavior that's that is being it's important that we do listen to that and potentially act on it the, the trouble is for a lot of us i think if, if we're growing up in an environment which was traumatizing that's really got all of the energy and life is really much more about survival rather than the place of thriving, which would be yes. connected yes. uh, with self and others. So I think the, the, the basic premise of the book is that it's completely understandable that naturally people will be, you know, dominated potentially by threat. Most of us then try to help ourselves to feel better because we don't like to feel switched off, frightened or angry. No. Uh, so we try and change that state and the quickest to hand ways to do that, often the reward drives. So food, yeah. alcohol, drugs, sex, more money, uh competing with other people and feeling better than or whatever it might be um and whilst and we may bounce backwards and forwards between those two so because actually 
you know, the, the, uh, the reward stuff, if that dominates at times as well, can disconnect us from other people. You know, addictive behaviour will do that for people. Mm-hmm. So, so it makes us more anxious, which means we go more to it. And a lot of people get caught bouncing between the okay. two. So my, what, what compassion focus therapy wants to do is to focus on that connection part, as I say, right. both yourself, but also with other people and uh, put the energy, thought, feeling and behavioural energy into that, um, that part. Wow. Mm. Okay. That makes complete sense to me. Great. Also because the first two steps of my program that I'm in the middle of writing are the step one is from threat to trust right yeah and step two is from hedonistic to healthy right perfect yeah so because we recognize don't we as therapists and also as a trauma survivor myself too that you can't connect when you're threatened and you can't connect when you're high on something and you know surely our basic premise or underlying is we we're desperate for connection aren't we Yes. And if you were to ask people, if I do, I do a sort of emotional needs inventory with people. Um, and so that, that is going through basic needs. And, it, and before I, I, I do that, I say, look, what would your basic emotional need be? Or, and, and most people say is to love and be loved, yes. which would be about connection. Um, I think the difficulty that a lot of people have is that they will have grown up in environments that they would have been told are loving or that people love them and this is what love looks like uh, but actually if you if you look at what the behaviors were or certain things that had happened there may have been very little about it that was loving yeah. um, which means that people then we can then perpetuate that throughout our adult relationships um, and continue in this sort of cycle of bouncing up and back, backwards and forwards between threat and reward so yes yeah, yeah. So you work on the the needs and and you get them to describe their needs. Is there anything else, John Paul, that you do kind of systematically in your approach to try and move people out of those two areas and interconnect? Yeah, definitely. The the thing, I mean, I've been doing some writing, as as you know, for for various things. I've noticed. I I want to talk about this next, please. Yeah. That would be great. but also um, writing for articles and things. And it's, it's so interesting because when journalists tend to ask for uh, comments on things, it will tend to be, you know, about anxiety or it could be about body dysmorphia or about anger. Or there's a lot of focus in what we're talking about on and, and which is incredibly helpful, but how to manage anxious thoughts or how to manage anger. And, and I've noticed there's, there seems to be much less of a focus on actually how to turn up the part that's about connection. Now, if you if you are turning down fear and anger, and then it will make more space for potential and capacity to connect with self and others. But I would go for much more of an active putting energy into those things. And as I say, thought, feeling and behavioral energy. And I suppose connection, I would, you can sort of divide into connection with self and connection with others and I, and I do think connection with others is very difficult yeah much more difficult if we don't have a connection with self because if we, because if I talk about connection with a client they might often say oh I know I know I need to be around more people or I know I need more friends but I think the step before that you know who is it that's going into relationship with people how do I know who do I enjoy being around you know who is my tribe who do I feel good around and unless we have 
sufficient connection with self that I know when I feel good and when I don't feel good, it's very difficult to make decisions for example, I mean, it's difficult to make decisions as to what career I might want and also who I want to be around. So yeah. the first place I would start, I think, is building that connection with self. You might call it love of. Yes. What I think if we've been in threat for a long time, traumatised uh, yeah. people, we tend to, as I say, look at, it's a lot of fear in imagination. So it's um, either identifying problems that may be there or imagining problems and that that lens is focused on us as well so people will rarely have a grounded sense of their own worth and value you know this not not good enough is because people have spent so many years I think with the problem focus when looking at themselves whether that's about personality or their body or you know whatever aspect of themselves it is they might believe they're less interesting than other people or yeah somehow uh, you know don't do life as well as other people and I think it's because that threat lens turned on self yes. is 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 only critical uh, that's I suppose if we are if we're up in the sort of fear and anxiety and of course another response to threat is to, to switch off completely the yes. sort of hopeless and helpless and again yeah. again that does not give somebody a, a, a great sense of self and who they are so mm-hmm. you know one of the important things that I would do is look at uh, as I say, grounding that sense of uh, worth and value, you know, based on really somebody's history and what they've achieved through life. Yes. Very, very few of us will spend time looking back and seeing, you know, despite things having been made more difficult by traumatizing experiences, m- most people do still do incredible things. And, yes. you know, even to have got through life and to sustain relationships and the job, having been through that experience, yeah. you know, traumatizing you. experiences is. Is amazing so things like timeline of achievements i think is incredibly important to look yeah, at i think that that day-to-day you know if something goes well even if it's seemingly small what happened to reflect afterwards and say to ourselves you know it's that inner dialogue isn't it yeah. you know well done well done for doing that or the fact you were able to meet that deadline means that you know you can organize things good communication skills planning you know all of these things you know they're not necessarily what somebody will have been saying to themselves on an ongoing basis if there's been a traumatizing past yeah and um and the other aspect of that i think is is it can make us overly reliant on other people's input and comment if i don't know who i am and that my own worth and value it makes me very porous to somebody else being critical or or or, or dismissive or whatever whatever it might be so so yes i think i I mean i think the most important place to start is with that sense of actually being able to describe who i am yeah lots of people you know will have will have you know sustained long-term relationships have various jobs be going out and doing various things seeing lots of people but if i ask the question who are you some people just don't have an answer to that. It's a complete blank. And they'll be able to, because I think the vigilance, the hypervigilance to others of that threat part, know lots and lots about other people and be able to say, well, my partner is X, Y, and Z. And I know in that situation they would do this. And I know that that's what they like and that's what they're interested in. Uh, but they don't necessarily have those answers themselves because no. it, it's not, threat is not a place going inside. It is, it is a place of, of often looking out here. And when it does go inside, it's, it's to find a problem. So yes. I suppose that sort of timeline of achievements thing, some of the cognitive side of things. The other thing which is of so much importance is, is the connection between um, with the body and mm-hmm. feelings. Yes. 
Yeah. Because again, in both the threat state, you know, the importance of what I'm feeling from a moment to moment basis, whether I like something or not, or whether I think this is fun or really enjoy it, it's of very little importance at all. What's important is survival, isn't it? Rather yeah. than rather than actually my own needs and wants. What, totally. what will dom- yeah. dominate everything is yeah. um, is survival. So so what that means is I think over time people lose their connection with their felt experience and therefore their body feelings being felt yeah within the body so in both positions whether it's threat or reward both of them are a complete disconnect aren't they from the body completely completely. because often with with reward if you're talking about alcohol for example whilst people are taking the substance or bringing the substance in that will be altering their felt state of something probably calming them down and then whilst whilst their body craves the next time that they use it they will be i suppose you know anxious or irritable so the whole time our perception of our world and ourselves is being distorted by by the 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 need for the substance either the use of the substance or the need for the substance so depending on whether and i think this is an interesting one and um whether we want to you know depress something or activate something so often i find if people are in hypo arousal and disconnected they'll go for the uppers or the stimulants and when they're in hyper they want to go for the depressants so that they can calm down so we just get used to medicating that nervous system all the time yeah and that threat and reward cycle yeah we're in it and still disconnected from the body so how do you work at that reconnection piece because you're right that is such a vital part of the journey if if we want to i mean there's there's two things if we want the signals from our feelings to know what decisions to make and where to go and what choices to make in life we have to know uh, what we're feeling and very importantly not just when because often if somebody comes in with anxiety or anger it's those feelings that they might identify and remember during the week but perhaps even more importantly in some ways what are the times when we're happy about something we're excited about it you know because those are the times as well that we want to lean into and make bigger yes um, so i would always suggest i mean there are apps like insight timer uh, which do uh, mindfulness meditation and they do the body scan yeah. so I know a lot of people, a lot of therapists during therapy will take people through a body scan potentially themselves. I don't tend to do that often because I quite like Insight Timer for that kind of thing because there's thousands of people, every voice, every accent, every length of time under the sun and people can choose the thing that works for them. But yes. certainly that would be a primary thing, the, uh, the sort of body scan. So starting from the big toe and working your way up through the body. Um, you know, some people in terms of chakras, for example, yeah. you know, going internally, you know, they, they work from a part of the body up. So it's all about connecting the brain with what's happening within the body. Yeah. Uh, so I think mindfulness meditation is, is really good for that. Um, I and- agree. I would, the one caveat, I suppose I would say on that is often my clients, if they're severely traumatized, can't feel safe enough anywhere in their body yet to do any mindfulness or meditation okay yeah yes I mean I I I would also one thing I did some EMDR training and the thing that I uh, do regularly use now from that with with a number of clients would be a safe place type 
uh, uh, visualization. Yeah. Well, two, two, two actually, there's the safe place uh, visualization to imagine a, a safe place, either a place that they've been or something completely, so we'll remember a place that they've been or somewhere in, in imagination. But there's, I think they also have a sort of, com, com, I can't remember the, how it's described, but a time that the person felt very competent yes. and, and confident in life. And I, that was it because a, a number of people might feel that imposter syndrome yeah. type thing, the way that threat manifests. It's quite similar to your achievements exercise in yeah. that, you know, a lot of EMDR and a lot of therapy, I think, is about installing resources, isn't it? And resilience. So, yeah. so you know, there's a whole book of Laurel Parnell's called Tapping In, which is basically just a whole book about tapping in resources and somebody can butterfly hug and just tap on their shoulders as they're thinking about their achievements. Yeah. You know, so your achievements exercise and let's go through, I mean, it, uh, often with clients, I'll go through their top 10 memories. Yes. You know, and then we'll tap them in and where do you feel that in your body? Because at least if we can start to get a felt sense of the good stuff. Yes. You know, yes. we're, we're on to something then. Absolutely. I mean, and it's hugely so, uh, you know, valuable. That is, I think I was listening to a podcast, Dr. Rick Hansen. Do you know, I think he yes. talks about positive psychology because yes. I know that there can be this, this um, belief, which I, I completely understand, which is, you know, that you can bypass the, the distress and somehow let's all be positive about it and think about yeah. the great things and look on the bright side. But that's not what this is about. No. Uh, of course, of course, the, you know, the trauma. Anxiety stuff that's looking yeah. at that and the addictive cycles and how they work and how to short circuit them but uh i just think it's putting equal uh, yes. focus on yeah. the resourcing on how i make myself self feel safe on the things i wouldn't change about my life now on the things yes. i wouldn't change about myself you know yeah. that, that gratitude practice can be can be incredibly powerful too uh, one of the things about connecting with the body is i think when there has been that threat, threat place has dominated, and also with reward and the addictions, people's relationship with their body becomes uh, um, very disconnected. Certainly, yeah. not even necessarily feeling it, but you know, with reward, it's really getting used to uh, to, to to somehow meet the addictive cycle. Yes. And uh, usually, in the you know the threat place of anger and fear, that it's it's looking at every potential problem with it, and you know, can even be discussed. Yeah. You know, goes yeah. into body dysmorphia and so um yeah i think it's so important to be able to 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 you know appreciate what's going on with the body uh, um every moment in terms of breathing yes. digestion oxygen traveling around you know all those things are all are all happening um, yeah. but as you say you know to go internally for some people initially is gonna is gonna be is gonna it's be hard. very difficult. yeah yeah which is i think again the reasons why you're talking about them getting to connection. And I suppose I talk about them being in their adult or grounded state or, you know, in polyvagal terms, I suppose we call it their ventral vagal now so that they feel re relaxed and connected as much of the time. And we start to work from there. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes in the old days, I don't, I don't know, this is just a sense I have that, you know, coaching was about focusing on, the resources and what works and the here and now and the kind of future stuff and therapy was you know you lie on a couch and all you do is talk about your past and your problems right and yeah. that's not really how it works is it no you no. know 
these days like you know we work through time and actually us therapists don't just stay in the past and we do work with the present and the future and we do work on what you're really good at yeah you know yeah yeah not just looking at the problems and the trauma right yeah the thing I was going to say about that Dr Rick Hansen actually is he which really stayed with me as well after it's just a small thing he said which is when something good happens and you know you need to know that some and I mean that the body feels good at at that point so it's a feeling of love or excitement or he said um you've got to make it bigger try and stay with it for at least 20 seconds which I quite like because with of course moments of anxiety or anger or we don't have to try at all for those things to remain for no. Uh, you know hours with anger we can argue in our heads for days about something yeah. can't we and that, that that seems to be not something we have to make much of an effort to do but yeah. the thing that he was pointing out that if you consciously when something good happens in life even if it might be a relatively rare thing or thinking about things in the past where we felt good to um to try and really lean into them and make them bigger and the way he says that is also by focusing on the feeling in the body and making that feeling in the body bigger as well because Lovely. Um, I just it's a very helpful yeah. thing yeah, yeah. I, I think that's really helpful and and I and I remember I can't remember who it was that said it once it was years ago that you know the brain and the or the mind and the body is a bit like teflon for good memories and velcro for not yes that you that know, was in that. my book but the editor took oh, it was it oh was it <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know where anybody that's younger than a certain age even knows what Velcro is. Maybe though. that's why. Maybe yeah. that's why. <laughs> yeah. For those of you listening that have got no idea what Velcro is, it's a sticky thing that you used to put on the bottom of things to pin it up instead of sewing it. There you go. Just in case you've got some American people listening that go Velcro. What the hell, Velcro? So that's really good. So you put all of that basically in your book, Finding a Balanced Connection. Yeah. So is that all of your insights really over your, what, 14, 15 years now as a therapist? It is, yeah. I mean, so it comes from working with clients, my own process, of course. I mean, the thing about all this, isn't it, is is how, how... that's the wonderful thing you know many times clients will say things I think oh gosh that's you know there are a few things in there my clients have read some of them have read the book and they will say I remember saying that thing you know that's that's the one is it all feeds into each other in terms of yes um yes so yeah so so it, it sort of starts with that um connection with self and then works its way through to, towards the end of the it's sort of it's t- 10 principles really and it, the, the early ones are about connection with self and then it works through to connection with other people as well okay. because I suppose you know an important thing isn't it is when there has been trauma in in life and uh is that we can it can make other relationships with other people very difficult extremely difficult yeah 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 so, I mean- some some of mine so much so that they have literally no connections and are completely avoidant yeah you know that kind of deprivation of relationships really which is is sad yes because then we don't get the kind of mirroring back of worth and value that other people can bring and yeah. uh, so but I, I do think the first thing to, to look at is relationship with self prim- yeah. primarily because it is i mean i, I mean it can be done outward in, inward out, top down, you know, there are, there are a number of different ways to do it. But certainly, as I say, I do think it's important to be going out to the world, and making yes. connections and friendships, knowing who we are. 
and being able to regulate ourselves and knowing what our coping mechanisms are and bringing some more tools in if as is usually the case the coping mechanisms which we've seen have, have not necessarily been they were they worked for them but now yes. uh, they, they don't anymore so yeah yeah okay um and um, what else for you now you've written this book so um you know who's it for really who who would you say primarily you you wrote it for uh, I think it's it's probably it's more for it's for clients, isn't it? Yes. There are a number of therapists that I know that have read it and uh, find it very helpful, and they've yeah. uh, recommended it to clients. I did I did have one client come in and say that their partner was reading a self help book, which was recommended by their therapist, which they found very helpful, and they said it was that one, my one. So oh, brilliant! Uh, yeah, so a therapist had read it who liked it, and then and then recommended it to their client, as I say. So it's you know it it covers because I think threat if that's been dominant uh one of the you know the symptoms of that would be people being diagnosed with anxiety because that would be the fear part chronic anger because yeah. again usually there's a fit there's anger is over fear often for people um depression because uh, because being in threat for a long you know as we've talked about we'll get under aroused or hypo aroused yeah. yeah. um and then so, adrenals just get wiped out and, you know, yeah. adrenal fatigue and cortisol and all the rest of it. It's very depleting after yeah. a long time, isn't it? And that. Yes. And then the addictive behaviour as well. So the rewards. So, so, it you know, it does cover because I think the roots of lots of things, you know, the sort of feeling loss, difficulty in relationship, body dysmorphia, anorexia, you know, they, they have similar roots for, yeah. for, for all of them. So it's it's really for most people who who suffer con some kind of psychological distress. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you call it trauma? Do you believe that lots of things have come from significant emotional events or situations in childhood that were less than nurturing? Yes. I mean, I would use the word uh, trauma quite a lot actually yes to reflect back to clients yeah. uh, the the significance of what they've gone through because uh, as you know for, for a lot of us it's our normal isn't it that's yeah. that's what we knew so it's only really perhaps looking back or also seeing in somebody reflected in somebody else's expression whether that's a therapist yeah. and in, in language like trauma that yes. people can see that actually what they went through had a profound effect on them um, how they experience themselves in the world yeah, yeah. and um yeah i remember somebody saying that trauma in relationships is a you know is betrayal so the betrayal is traumatizing and yeah. so it would be it would be a, a principle i would use a lot and and yeah would definitely yeah. use that use that phrase and and i suppose the stance of the compassion focused work is when we as therapists realize that those that come to see us more often than not have been betrayed in relationships and therefore are under threat and even find us threatening yeah and our stance has to be even more compassionate yes yes absolutely and yeah. of course we we have that part in us as well that's the the, the you know the anxious safety seeking part so if somebody sits more in fear and they're therefore looking for soothing more often. I do think that's easier than somebody who potentially sits in anger a lot. Yes. Because, okay. that, you know, we have our own amygdala that can get yes. triggered by, by those kinds yes. of experiences. So, yes. so for therapists, making sure... Uh, uh, the, when you were talking about um, hyper-aroused or hyper 
power out. Oh, or, yeah. I, I quite like, um, it was what somebody talked about in, um, uh, it, was, it was on an insight time, a talk about yoga actually, and that they just said in that context, uh, what yoga does is keep us in a calm and alive state. Yes. So I really like that as an idea for people, both as making sure as a therapist that I'm able to do that as often as I can, but yes. also for clients too. So it's that sort of middle band where, uh, because a lot of people talk about calmness, but not necessarily about the aliveness. And it's what you were saying in terms of the some of the substances that people take in yes. to calm them down. They're also to um, they bring might them be, to bring them up. Yeah. So that yeah. calm the live state is I yes. think the place where we have an expansive view of ourselves and other people and are are happiest. So um, yes. maintaining that for therapists as well as yeah helping our clients to do that I think is incredibly important yeah and that's a lovely point to kind of almost end on and ask you is what what do you do to keep yourself I suppose in that place and in that window of tolerance and in that connection place mm -hmm. and what tips and because I mean you know lots of uh my clients use things like um yoga or trauma-informed yoga as you were saying or good nutrition or yeah. exercise or walking you know out with the dog but is there anything that you find particularly helpful for you i do i, I think well, i mean th those things that you've described particularly walking i would say around here if you're looking at that calm and alive state one of the great things about nature i think not necessarily always calm but it's the aliveness to it isn't it yeah. and the fact it's always changing and and that after every every season has its own beautiful aspects yeah. and, and something will always come through again after winter and you can see growth and so for me nature is 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 hugely important going for a walk in nature I do also I wouldn't I would underestimate that sort of gratitude practice yeah. so each day I do find calming to to reflect on the day and think um what are the things that I'm grateful for even if things that weren't that great happened yeah. there'll always be something there'll always yeah. be something that I can think of so uh so I like that and um yes music as well for me I will uh definitely get both calmness but aliveness from yeah. from from music physical movement's a big thing isn't it yeah, in terms totally. of the body totally uh, totally do you yeah. do you have a dog or any animals that you walk no with? unfortunately i've got allergies in the house so ah. well, including, including my own so oh. um, love, love dogs but yeah you could, you could try a cockapoo because apparently they're non-allergenic right okay yeah i've yes. got one but um not that i've got allergies but i have been told that cockapoos don't are non-allergenic because they don't molt and they don't but they are slightly mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that aliveness, yeah. isn't it? Which is a that's a good thing. Yeah. John <laughs> oh, Paul, thank you. It's delightful, really, to speak to you today and meet you. And thank you for your time. And can't wait to properly finish this. And I hope some of the audience today will read it as well, and we'll be ready and waiting for your next one. What, what's uh, next on the cards for you? Do you know? Have you got any plans for a well, I, second? I mean, there is, uh, there is, a, there is the possibility of, of because of the transition from from solicitor to therapist, a lot of people are interested in. So, thinking about that at the moment potentially, but yeah. um, I, I don't know. Uh, in terms of the actual therapy itself, and maybe it's just maybe it's just one book for for a while. Okay. Uh, until the yeah. next. Until the thank next. you. Oh, Thank pleasure. You. It's yeah. really, really lovely. And I think and hope that it's helpful to those mm. people that are listening and watching today. And 
hopefully we can do it again soon. Yeah, definitely. Thank you a lot. Take care, look after yourself. Thank you, you too. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope it helped you in some way and I really hope to see you back here soon. If you have anything to share on today's experience or podcast, please nip over to the YouTube channel or the Facebook group Trauma Thrivers and let us know there.